Hello, friends, and welcome to HC Weekly. This is a podcast proclaiming the love of God on display through Jesus Christ. We're so glad you're with us, and I need to tell you, we've been expecting you. We encourage you to tune in for an important announcement at the end. And now it's time for today's message. We hope you enjoy. If you consider the fact that you're alive when you're conceived, you're nine months older than you are at your birthday. You think about that. So I'm almost 94. <laughs> so whatever, uh, uh, God's been good to me. And I appreciate this uh, church. You know, I have been said by some to have an apostolic uh, calling. Uh, I've, I've been said by some to be fatherly to many. But that has to be, <clears throat> that has to be received or it, it doesn't, it's not worth a dime. And Paul, even Paul said, I'm not an apostle to everyone, but I am to you Corinthians. And that's a matter of uh, building a, a trust relationship. And it's also a matter of receiving one another and, and trust. And it's so important and it's rare. It's a rare thing. And I do appreciate this church more than you know. It's always in my heart. Um, I want to, if there has to be a title to this, it would probably be planting the seed in your heart. <laughs> but uh, we sang a lot of things this morning. If you, if you remember, there were several words in our worship about changing. He changed me. He ch you are changing me. You remember that? And so the Lord wants to change us. Uh, if you look at Romans 8, I'm going to give you uh, two or three or four scriptures to, to bind this together that I want you to remember as I'm sharing about putting the seed in your heart. Number one would be in Romans 8, and this is familiar to all of you, but I want to read it. It says, uh, verse 28, and it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who are love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Remember that, he, 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 he predestined us and when we're born again to be conformed into the image of his son. Now that doesn't mean you ladies are gonna have beards. That's not the image he's talking about. He's talking about the character, the, the change in our, in our souls. Uh, when we're born again, we're as righteous as we'll ever be. Second Corinthians 5 says we are the righteousness of Christ. You've, your spirit is born again and the spirit of Christ is in you and you're as righteous as, and you're seated in heavenly places. 
You're, you're, you're born again. You'll never go back into Egypt. But there's, and, and uh, let's, let's continue to read this. It makes a point. He predestined to be conformed into the image of his son that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Whom, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. He, whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, all of these he also glorified. Do you notice that he leaves out sanctification? You go, he jumps from being, conform, uh, being born again to being glorified. And I puzzled over that for a long time. To be born again, we have nothing to do with. You didn't decide one day to get up and be born again. <laughs> and when we rise from the grave and are glorified in our bodies, we, that will be the operation of the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. And you have nothing to do with that. You're powerless over that. But somehow there's a mystery here about sanctification. I want to read John 17, if you'll bear with me. And I'm hoping you'll gather these thoughts in, in your heart, and, and I will put them together, okay? John 17, 17, we'll start with um, verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 16. Now here's 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. And that, along with other ideas that I'll be presenting, is that it's the way we're sanctified is by the word. How many of you have tried to change yourself? <laughs> I was an alcoholic, and I, I gave up drinking a lot, several times. It was the easiest thing I ever did. <laughs> I could not. It, it was a miracle that I got changed. I got born again. The Lord delivered me. It was a miracle. Uh, I found out over the years that I can't change anybody else. I can try to change you, and usually that, that winds up condemning you <laughs> or making you mad. The only one that can change your heart and your soul into the image of Christ is the Holy Ghost combined with the Word. Amen? Yeah. That Word is a seed, as you'll find out in Mark chapter 4, in the parable of the sower. And that word has power. I want to turn over here with you for just one minute to Hebrews. And again, I want you to, uh, I want you to pay attention. <laughs> I want you to let this word sink in your heart because it's I don't know that we ponder and meditate on this enough. Right. Amen. 
This is so powerful if you stop and think about it. And we're talking about the promises of God. You know, the only way you can have hope is to believe in the promises. And the only way you can have faith is to have hope. Because hope is the substance of things hoped for. So without hope, you can't possibly have faith. It's impossible because you've got to have something for faith to be the substance of. <laughs> and the only hope I'm talking about now is supernatural hope in, the, in, in what God's doing. And that hope it can only come from believing the promises. You're in deep trouble in these days if you don't believe the promise that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Now listen, listen to what it says here. It talks about in chapter 1 of Hebrews uh, that God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past by the fathers, to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken. It's always spoken. He spoke the worlds into existence. The word, the words is what causes everything. The word has power, as you're going to see in a minute. But in these last days spoke to him, spoken to us by our son, his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds. Have you ever thought about how heavy the earth is? <laughs> I wonder if anybody's ever calculated that. They have, but I mean, have you ever lifted a uh, five-gallon bucket of water? I mean, it's pretty heavy. And have you ever lifted a? The other day, I had a, I was cleaning out my shed, and I had a sack of concrete in there, and the water, the dampness had got in, and it had set. And I, I could hardly, I mean, I thought maybe I might hurt myself trying to pick it up. I did manage to put it in a wagon and haul it off. And, but that thing was so heavy. And then I thought about all the rocks and the dirt. And I mean, it's, it's amazing. And all the seawater. And yet the power of God holds that in orbit around the sun. It's amazing. Who, verse 3, and this is the one I want you to let sink down. Who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and of holding all things by the word of his power. Now, a lot of us read the Bible intellectually and quickly, and we don't stop and really think about things. He upholds everything, it says, everything, by not the power of his word, but by the word of his power. And that's significant to me because it tells me that power comes out of the word and the word doesn't come out of power. <laughs> Christ is the word. 
And so the power comes out of Christ and the Word. Now, this is the Word, but this Word has life in it. Let me, let me turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. Just one more scripture here. Verse 12, I believe. Yeah, here it is. For the word of God is living. When you look in this word and read it, asking the Holy Spirit to help you and read it seriously, not just as a religious exercise intellectually or when you when you ask the Lord to help you and and take trouble to ponder and meditate on these things, there's a life that springs out of the word. It's alive. It says in second Corinthians three that it's like a mirror in verse eighteen it's like a mirror to you know in the Old Testament you read the word it condemned you the law. But in the New Testament, it's a mirror. As you look into the face of Christ, the Word, you're changed from glory to glory. And that's, that's a living thing. It's a living process. It's got power in it. It says here in chapter 4 that uh, in verse 12, the Word of God is living and powerful. Same thing it says in chapter 1. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and so forth. And then it says, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I want you to, to get that because the heart is what we're talking about. I want to go back to Romans 8 for a minute. Because it says this is something that we should know. If you look at Romans 6 through 8, you'll find about six places where Paul's saying, this we know, you should know, knowing this. And that word in the, in the Greek, if you look it up, the word know means to gaze on something remarkable. It's not a... It's not a Knowing, like memorizing the table of mathematics, uh, uh, it's it's a to gaze on that implies to gaze on something implies meditation. You you look at the word and you you let it you you meditate on it you yeah. chew it like a cow <laughs> chewing her cub, <laughs> if you understand what I mean. And, and we don't meditate enough on the Word. I know you read the Word, okay? I hope you do, because it's the only way you're going to be changed. When we're born again, this is, this is not a perfect example, but it's one that it'll maybe work a little bit. <laughs> uh, we're given, a, we're like a computer, if you will. We're given a brand new hard drive. But the old uh, programs are still in there. And we're, we're still thinking in the flesh. And justification is nothing more than being changed 
into the image of Christ, which means to me the, the character and to be changed into the mental, to begin to have the mind of Christ, to be think like he is. That's what that means. If you have the mind of Christ, it means you think like Christ. And we're changed into something. Now, if you're not changed, but you're born again, and I've known people in churches in my church, I was amazed at how many people after 20 years didn't change. And it's kind of sad. But they're born again. And so you can skip from being born again to being glorified. If you're just barely saved and really saved, you're going to be glorified. You're going to go to heaven. You're going you're gonna to be with Christ but his purpose is to, to change many of his sons and daughters into the likeness, not only to be born again, but be changed inside, to be, to be something that glorifies him, to have fruit, fruit of the Holy Spirit, peace, joy, love. That's the change that's trying to occur. We bring fruit by obeying him. There's no doubt about that, and, we, and that's one of the things we're required to do. If we're abiding in the vine, we're supposed to bring fruit, right? So you can obey Christ, and you can uh, paint the church. Good stuff. Nothing wrong with that. That's obeying Christ. And that'll bring fruit in a way of maybe uh, attracting more people into the church and making them more comfortable and all that. But the change we're talking about in Romans 8 into the image, that's a change in you, in your soul, in your heart. Amen? So having said that, and I remember the Word of God is powerful. And when it says in Romans 1 that He upholds everything... You need to know that that's not just the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the trees. He upholds his promises. That, that just dawned on me about last summer while I was in COVID, you know, and pondering all these things. So <clears throat> his promises have power in them. And when he promises to heal us, and by the way, there are four, five, six clear places, beginning in Psalm 103, back in Exodus, in Isaiah 53, in Matthew chapter 8, in 1 Peter 2.24. I mean, they're all over the place. Promise A promise that we were healed by his stripes. You've been talking about that. That promise is not empty. That promise is one of the things Christ is upholding by the word of his power. The trouble is people don't believe it. And I don't want to say any, this and anybody be condemned. But if you pray for healing and then don't act like you're healed, 
it's a form of unbelief. That trouble anybody? <laughs> I'm sorry if it does. Now, there is a scripture in, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that says there's a time to die. Okay? So I, I, we're all going to die, and, and Jesus only made it to 33. <laughs> so, so, you know, on this earth, of course. But there's a time when we can express our faith in God by walking in faith while we're here. And I probably ought not to even talk about this, but uh, I had a word for Harry years ago. And you know what? I got the same thing Harry had. Uh, my red blood cells kept going down, going down, and I got weaker and weaker. I went in, the doctors. Only difference between me and Harry is my, my marrow is still making some red blood cells. But I thought to myself, I had that faith for Harry. Now I've got it. Isn't, isn't that something? And so I'm going to walk. I'm just going to, I'm walking in belief that I'm healed. And uh, anyway, I may die any day now. But while I'm here, I'm walking in victory. Why, I mean, that's the only thing there is to do, right? And, and I'm believing that I'm healed. And I'm walking in it as best I can. Now, my body sometime will tell me I'm not healed. And the devil will come in every now and then and say, you're not healed. And, and the doctor says, I'm not healed. <laughs> and my doctor, I, I told him, I said, well, I'm going to cooperate with you, but I want you to know I believe Christ has healed me. And he looked at me kind of funny. He's a Catholic. And he said, well, that's okay. <laughs> but it's two and a half months since I had a, a transfusion. Last time I went in, my red blood's gone up a point. So, on the way home, the devil might tell me I'm not healed, but I just say, look, shut up. <laughs> my body, I, my, I don't believe my body has the power to tell me what to do. I have a 23-year-old spirit. <laughs> And a 93-year-old body, and I can't help it. <laughs> but anyway, to get to the point here and not keep you all day, I want to go to Mark chapter 4 and turn there with me. And <clears throat> this, is, this is planting the seed in your heart, okay? Mark chapter 4 is the parable of the sower. Um, real, real fast here. You've you've read this parable, but it's an interesting thing here that Jesus said only in Mark four and the other two examples, 
he doesn't say this, but the parable is the same. And he talks about the heart. And uh, the heart here, according to the Greek, is the thoughts and feelings of the mind. It's not, it's not the pump in here. It's the thoughts and feelings of the mind. So in your mind, in your soul, you have thoughts and feelings. Right. And so there's something going on in here. See, my, my hard drive has been changed, but the, the, the old software is there. And I need to change the software. That's the renewing of the mind. When you're born again, you're totally saved, but you're still thinking like a natural person. And that needs to be changed. You need to see stuff in the spirit. You need to see each other in the spirit. Otherwise, you're never going to have unity. Every one of us sitting here has got something wrong with him. Except maybe Tim. I haven't said <laughs> No, everything, every one of us has got flaws in our personalities and our thinking. And if I, do, if I look at that only, I'll, I'll never have unity with you. I, Paul said we, in 2 Corinthians uh, 5, he said, we saw Jesus in the flesh. I see it. I, I believe Paul saw Jesus there in, somewhere in Jerusalem during his life. He said, I've seen him in the flesh, but now we no longer see him in the flesh. We see him in the spirit. And then he said, we need to see each other in the spirit. I'm paraphrasing. But that's the, the only way we're going to have unity. Amen. So, he says here in chapter 4, chapter, let's read from verse 3. This, this is what I call about, about looking at the Bible carefully. It's the only place I know where Christ shouted, listen. <laughs> listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And I'm preaching here to those that already know this, but it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. And he said to them, Who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, those around him, the 12, asked him about the parable. And he said, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, and this is really important, do you not understand this parable how then will you understand all parables? So I can't help but read into that that 
it's important we understand this parable. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know how this works out, but that's what Christ said. We need to understand this parable, and uh, I'm afraid a lot of people I know just read over it and say, well, hallelujah, I'm, I'm good ground. <laughs> uh, then he said, do you not understand how then will you understand all parables? These are the ones, the sower sows the seed. Let's stop right there. I've got in my drawer at home an acorn I picked up out of the yard about four years ago. And I look at it every now and then, it hasn't sprouted yet. It's got in it God's life from creation where he said he put everything in order in creation in, chapter, in verse the second day. He created the trees and, the, and he put there, each one had its seed in it. And so he prepared the, the vegetables, the fruit, everything for life that was to be con conformed later. Man, he put in the last and the sixth day because everything had been prepared. Otherwise, man would have starved to death. See, God said when it's finished, everything's ready for man to do what he's supposed to do. But the seed, every tree I, I passed on the way over here came from some seed that goes all the way back to chapter 1 or chapter 2. Oh, no, wait a minute, second, chapter 1, second day. And see, God hadn't created a new tree every day. <laughs> the same thing with man. There was a seed in Adam, and there was a, a corresponding seed in Eve. And so every, every person was, came out of Adam, Right? So the important, the idea of the seed is very, very important because the seed has naturally in life everything that we see today. The word is a seed, and the second creation for us, the word is a seed that has the power to go down in our hearts and grow because it's important here, he said, do you not understand? He said the, the sower sows the seed, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. It wasn't sown here. In many people, I think it might be. That's the end of the sowing right here but it was sown in our hearts. That tells me, and that's in the other renditions of this too, that tells me, tells me that the heart or the thoughts and, and thinking and feelings of the mind, which is what you said, that's the good ground. That's the ground where Christ wants to sow the seed. Now, how do you get, how do you get the seed down in there? meditate. 
if, if the word of God is what sanctifies, not, yeah, sanctifies us, changes us, in other words, then that word has to go down into the ground and not just remain here. George Barna put out a, a while ago, it may have changed since then, but he said that the average pastor in America only read the Bible 15 minutes a day. Isn't that, isn't that horrible? And it's not, it's not a religious, I'm not saying you've got to read the Bible so many hours a day or anything, but if you're going to be changed and glorify Christ and bear fruit in your soul, which is what his plan was to create you into his image, you're going to have to take the word of God seriously. You're going to have to know in your knower <laughs> that the word of God is alive and powerful and it's upheld by the same power of the word that upholds the, the orbits of the suns and the moon. And when you start thinking like that, at least for me, it changed my whole concept of what's happening in my soul. And I began to get serious about the Word of God. The Holy Spirit's not playing a game with us. The world is being torn to pieces. We're in a maelstrom of division, even in the church. And COVID has showed us that, shown us that. And are we gonna are we gonna represent Christ with our lives? I'm not I mean, yeah, you can go out and pass out tracks on the street and that's good. I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't take some action, but if there's no change in us, it's going to be empty. It's, I mean, Christ could use a, a donkey to give a word to a so-called prophet. <laughs> Amen? God's not limited, but he wants more than that from us. He wants us to be changed. Now, let's go over to Mark 4, uh, verse 28, because this is important. And I'm not going to keep you forever here. I'm almost through. Good that I'm almost through. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not easily intimidated, sister. And he's, he's, verse 28, he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. In the old days when this was, they used, today they got farm equipment. You go out and they punch the seeds in the ground. They measure the acidity. And, and I mean, it's marvelous what modern farming does. But in those days, they just went out scattered the seed and uh, that applies to this thing here that we're trying to talk about he scattered the seed on he should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow he himself does not know how you see 
if you believe that the Word of God by meditation on taking it seriously, you can begin to get it down in your heart, that seed is planted, but the principle of the seed is that it doesn't immediately do anything. It just starts growing, and you don't know how. It's, it's a super miracle. You're looking for a miracle? Get the seed down in your heart. But then, like the farmer, he should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripens, immediately puts it in the, in the sickle because the harvest has come. So, when I first got this report on my health, I said, well, I'm either going to believe that Christ is upholding his promise of healing by the word of his power and his power in life and the word, or I'm not. Now, I'm not condemning anybody that's been sick and done, done this. I'm saying it's possible to do this for in the future because I'm trying to share something for you to think about and, and, and work on. So I, I, tr I just started reading all these prophecies about healing and, and meditating on them and believing that the Holy Spirit was putting them down in my heart. And I'm going to bed night after night and don't know what's happening in there, but I believe the seed is working. Amen. The only way that acorn's ever going to produce an oak tree is if I put it in the ground. <laughs> and, and how that happens after a couple of weeks, or if it's a poplar tree, it might take one day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, some crops come up quickly and some don't. I've got hummingbird plants around my mailbox and it was June before I began to see a tiny thing come up right now they're covering half an acre but but my wife kept saying there's nothing happening nothing happening <laughs> you sure you planted the seeds there's nothing <laughs> happening I said yes I planted the seeds and then I started this tiny thing coming up and this little frond coming up out that's the way the seed works. And so you're not changed instantly. You're just, you have to believe God and the change will come. And maybe that'll have to do with many things. It can have to do with faith about anything. I'm just talking particularly about healing because that's one of the promises. Amen. He promised us that we would have joy. If you if you go around frowning, frowning all the time, start looking at scriptures about joy and start meditating on them, and start whistling happy tunes, like you you believe what's going down in your heart. And so, you know, 
to wind up here, I think some people think that the only people in the world that are saved are the fourth kind of good ground. I'm not sure about that. Uh, it doesn't say that the ones that uh, business and all of that chokes out the word. It doesn't say they're not saved. It just that chokes out the word. I know a lot of people, I know a lot of, I, I know when I first got saved, I, I don't know that I took seriously the word. It did go down in my heart, and I think I've gone through these four stages. But, but the Lord knows the ground, and we're not developed into the, to the believers of this immediately. I'm trying to give you something to think about because you're, you're, I've been listening to Tim and Tim and I've been talking about some of these things and this is what God wants. God wants us to believe his word. And it's not just, he just didn't save us, which is, if he'd had, that would have been enough, Right? But with salvation comes everything in the atonement. Yep. Healing was in the atonement. Yep. Joy, prosperity, and I'm not talking about believing God's giving you airplanes and all. I mean, he can do that, by the way. God's not limited, but he wants us to be prosperous, and that can mean a lot of things. It's not all about money. But it can be. And so, I guess what I'm saying is it's time to honor the Word of God. And Tim and I were talking, and we agreed that so many people believe, if you ask them, they believe Christ can heal you. But they wonder, will he? It's already done. You look in Mark chapter 8, he healed every single one that it might be fulfilled what was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53. It says where he, and you go back there and it says, well, he bore our griefs. Well, I say, and and in, in Mark 8, I mean Matthew 8, it says he bore our diseases. And you look up grief in the Hebrew and it says diseases. <laughs> I mean, you have to go to, to an effort to get this in your heart. But once you see that, you just can grab it. Think about it. Amen. You've got a wonderful opportunity here because very few pastors... And I get around, I get around, get around, get around. <laughs> 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 Beach boys. <laughs> anyway, I, I, very few pastors understand this. Sorry to say. And one of the, boy, I don't know if I ought to go here, but we're, we're seeing an upheaval with a, with a great awakening, by the way, there comes an upheaval. There are spots 
in churches like this where there'll be revival. But in general, a last third awakening here, I believe it's already happening, there's an upheaval about what we believe. And, and already, if, if you make statements in some churches like Tim's made it here and like I'm making right now, they won't ask you back because they say, well, you're, you're just one of them prosperity preachers. And I say, no, I'm not. I'm preaching what's in the Word. Now, for some reason, God didn't choose to heal everybody. Just, I mean, there is a time to die. Amen? And I said that before. Now, you know, that's 93 coming out. I said it already, and now I'm saying it again. But anyway, uh, we need to believe the Word of God, and we need to get it from here to here because this is the good ground. I want you to, when you're reading the Bible, notice all the times that God speaks about the heart. Psalm 27. God said, look into my face. And the answer comes back, my heart says, I will look into your face. Many scriptures say, God, test the heart. God's always looking at the heart. God looks at the heart, he, not the outward appearance, the heart. The heart is the soul. That's where he's looking at us because he's looking for change because according to Romans 8, he wants us to be conformed to the image, and that has a lot to do with what I'm talking about. But meanwhile, we need to seriously read this, meditate on it not just read it as a religious exercise, not just read it as a history book, <laughs> although you can get a lot out of it that way, but read it with the Holy Spirit helping you and with a serious longing heart. One of my favorite scriptures, and I'll end with this, is Psalm 119, verse 18. Lord, Show me wondrous things in your word. And if you look at it that way, the word will become what Hebrews says it is. It will be alive and powerful. Amen? Lord, I just ask that my word would go down into all hearts here, at least some, you know, that this church could lunge forward in understanding, which I know my brother Tim has preached to you over and over, and all I'm trying to do is drive one more nail. But Lord, for God's sakes, Lord, give us understanding, which is the life spring of, the wellspring of life. Help us to go deeply into your word and believe it, that we would not be pushed aside and wishy-washy in these last days, but that we would stand in the boots of the gospel and not be moved. 
Lord, bless these people. Bless those at home who are watching on the live stream. Bless those who are sick. Heal them in Jesus' name. And thank you, Lord, for all you're doing in this church. Amen. What a great encouragement from the Lord. Hello again. We want to invite you to subscribe to this ministry. We would love to hear from you. Contact us at our website, www.harvestchurchknoxville.com. Click on the Connect button and leave us a message. We'll respond to you just as soon as we can. You can also interact with us on Facebook at Harvest Church. Our request is that you pray for us and also pray about financially supporting this ministry so it can continue to go out. No gift is too small. If you have a local church, please don't neglect it in your giving whenever giving to this ministry. There's three easy ways to give and all our giving options are secure. Your first option is at our website. Again, www.harvestchurchknoxville.com. Click on the Give button and follow the steps. Your second option is via text. Send a text to 865-366-4993 with the amount that you wish to give in the message section. Your third option is via snail mail. Send it to Harvest Church, 6720 Kern Road, that's K-E-R-N, Knoxville, Tennessee, 37918. If you are in the Knoxville, Tennessee area and you don't have a church home, we invite you to come and be with us. We'd love to see you. Again, thank you for listening. Our prayer for you is that you grow in your knowledge of Christ Jesus and experience great increase of grace and peace. Remember, Jesus really loves you.